Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. to be able to be here with you this morning and to share from the Word of God together. I just had some things growing in me and my heart that I wanted to um, share with you this morning. And then when David um, spoke a couple of weeks ago and introduced the subject of supernatural church, uh, he spoke about the Holy Spirit. He spoke about the Holy Spirit being his best friend. And I, I came away from that morning and thought, oh, I need to talk about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And in the wonderful way in which God does, he's kind of woven what was um, going on in me first and then woven in what was going on in me later when I responded to the word of God brought by David and put it into this word that's going to come to us this morning. And um, as Stephen said, I, um, I really want us to not just listen to somebody's words but to engage with the Holy Spirit as we listen this morning. Because I believe he is ministering among us this morning and will do so as we hear the word of God together. I believe there are things that he is going to reveal and show and confirm and affirm in us. So let's just take a moment to be still. I'm going to pray. And I just want us to be active in our listening of the Holy Spirit this morning. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's a word that secures us and gives us a solid foundation. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who you've poured out, who leads us into all truth. And just ask, um, Lord Jesus, that you would pour out your spirit among us again this morning with revelation, so that we receive your truth. In the name of Jesus, amen. This morning, um, I want to talk to us and share the word about the divine deposit. And this is from 2 Corinthians. If you'd like to have a look at that in your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians 1. And uh, verses 21 and 22 give you a moment to find that and then we'll we'll read that 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21 and 22 Paul is writing to um, Christians in in the town of Corinth and he says this now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ he anointed us set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. If you've got some different translations, that word deposit might say um, a down payment. 
it might say, a first instalment of all that's to come. But in those verses, Paul is describing the Holy, Dis- Holy Spirit as a divine deposit, a down payment, a first instalment in us. We know what a deposit is, don't we? That when you're buying something significant like a house or a car or, um, I don't know, new spanking great nice piece of furniture, you, you're often asked to put down a deposit, a sum of money that um, a significant sum of money that you put down that guarantees I'm going to pay all the rest in full. It acts as a security that the full promise will be fulfilled. And the Holy Spirit is in our hearts as a full guarantee, a full deposit, full security that all that God has spoken, all that he said is to come, will come in its fullness. And he's not just given us a taster of what is to come. He's given us the Holy Spirit, God himself. You know, we don't get a, um, the leftovers of God. We, um, we don't get just a part. We get the fullness of the Holy Spirit living in us as a deposit of all that God has done for us. He's no silent partner. He's the mighty, powerful, creative, communicating Holy Spirit. And he's living in us. This is something that Phil mentioned several times last week. He couldn't almost stop saying it. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Jesus lives in us by his Holy Spirit. And... um, He is a deposit in us. And I want us to consider three things, if we get there this morning, of how the Holy Spirit is a deposit in us. And we need to embrace, recognise and draw on that deposit that's in us. And the first thing is this, and it's to do with our identity. If you look back at verse 21, uh, Paul writes, He anointed us set his seal of ownership on us. When, when we think about the word anointing in the Bible, it's used a lot, and it's, um, it's used in association with oil, with oil being anointed, placed on, um, dripping down. And the oil in an anointing was signifying a divine authorization for someone to serve. In the Old Testament part of the Bible, people were anointed with oil, to show the divine authorization to serve as a prophet or a priest or a king. And we see through scripture that being opened up and it, it comes into its full meaning because the oil signifies the Holy Spirit. And as we come into the New Testament and we see Jesus saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to pour out my spirit, anoint you with my spirit. What we're talking about here is Paul is writing to say that we've been anointed with the Holy Spirit in the sense that we have received um, divine authorization to serve, anointed with the Holy Spirit. That, um, the other word that's used there, where he set his seal of ownership on us. And um, we know what a seal is, don't we, that um, perhaps in times gone by, important documents were sent, and uh, they would put some hot wax on the document, 
set their stamp in it and it proved the ownership. It proved where it came from. It proved its authenticity of everything that was in the document. And it was backed up by the full authority of the one who had sealed it with their mark. And God says that he has sealed us with the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit um, in us confirms our, our ownership, confirms that we are from um, we are of God. The seal of the Holy Spirit authorizes and validates us. The seal of the Holy Spirit carries the full backing of um, our owner, if you like. And it's really um, crucial that we know that we have been anointed and sealed by the Holy Spirit, authorized, validated, backed up by the full authority of God and the Holy Spirit witnesses that in 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 us that that's what we are you know if we've come to Jesus if we have turned away from our sin which we call repenting if we've asked him to forgive us and trusted in what he's done for us on the cross then we belong to Jesus and the word says that if we belong to Jesus we are born from above and born of the Holy Spirit And the Holy Spirit is our teacher and guide. I just want us to look at Romans 8. Uh, You can turn there if you'd like to. Romans 8, verse 9. We're going to look at a few verses here. I'd love to look at the whole of Romans 8, but I would be here a while, I think. But Romans 8, um, some great verses that help us to understand our identity. So verse 9 Paul writes to the Roman Christians this time, but he says, you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. So he's saying, and be sure of this, you belong to Jesus because you've turned to him, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And then from verse 14, he goes on, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Those are wonderful verses. Some of the words that are used there, it says, uh, verse 15, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. That word adopted means literally being placed as a son. Whatever status we had before we came to Jesus, whatever situation we were in, however we saw ourselves, when we come to Jesus, he places us as a son. As God's son. We are adopted into his family. He sees us as his children, as his son. Another of the words there that um, it says, it says, we receive the spirit, so we cry, Abba, Father. And um, in the terminology of the time, that word Abba had something of endearment and affectionate Um, way of addressing your father it spoke of closeness of relationship of trust of love of complete confidence 
in the one you're speaking to. And when we say Abba, Father, we're coming with complete confidence and trust, endearment, knowing we are loved, knowing we are chosen, knowing we have been placed in his family. We come to the one who is our life giver, our source, our father, the one whose imperishable seed, if you like, is in us, the one who imparts to us life and all the potential to grow into his likeness. That's what a father is to his children. Um, there's some other verses in Galatians 4. We won't, we won't turn to these, but if you want to look at it later, it's talking about the same thing, um, being specific that God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba Father. You know, as supernatural church, we must know who we are and who we belong to, where we're from, what our true identity is. Our identity doesn't come from our earthly parentage, doesn't come from our history, doesn't come from our success or our failure, doesn't come from our talents and abilities or our location or our experience. Our identity comes from our Father in heaven and what he says about us. And the Holy Spirit has anointed us and sealed this in us, confirming that we are God's children. Verse 16 says, His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And... um, we are, we are, the Holy Spirit in us this morning is affirming that we are his children. No room for doubt by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. I believe actually he also affirms that to others. Not only um, other people, but others in the spiritual realms know we are the children of God. And I just want to stop for a moment and um, ask us to pray and respond to that. To know the power of the Holy Spirit in us to confirm I am God's child. My identity comes from him. He calls me his son. He loves me. He's chosen me. Holy Spirit, would you... um, Come now and seal these things in us. Authenticate it. Validate us as your children so that we have full confidence, full confidence to come to the Father, full confidence to know his love, full confidence to know his life, and his source within us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The next um, way in which we need to embrace and acknowledge the deposit of the Holy Spirit in us is to do with our inheritance. Um, Those verses, we're still in Romans 8. We're still in Romans 8. Yes, I think we are. Verse 17, Paul goes on and says, And since we are God's children... Our identity confirmed, since we are God's children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also 
share his suffering. Um, it's really important we know who we belong to and who we're from because, because we are sons of God, we are his heirs. We are those who inherit everything that comes from him. We are those who um, have a legal right to that inheritance as sons. And when I'm talking about sons, being a son of God has got nothing to do with gender. Um, it has everything to do with our legal rights to the Father's inheritance. We are male and female, sons of God in that sense. Don't want us to ever think that because of gender we're on a different level somehow when it comes to God. We are his heirs, wonderfully his heirs. And how can we begin to describe our inheritance? Wow, that would take a long time. And it's a wonderful study to go into the Bible and look at what the promises of God are, to look to see what does he say about what my inheritance is. You know, there's a verse in Hebrews chapter 1 that says, God has promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, talking about Jesus. And yet here in Romans 8, it says we are co-heirs with Jesus. In Corinthians 2 Corinthians 1, it says that all of God's promises are fulfilled in Jesus you know, in um, the word we read in Ephesians 1, that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Um, David shared from 2 Peter a few weeks ago that we share in the divine nature, that we have the gifts and fruit of the Holy Spirit in us. We know from 1 Peter that he describes our inheritance and he says it's priceless. You can't possibly imagine how, um, what the worth of it is. He says it's pure, it's untainted, it's beyond the reach of change and, and decay. Well, of a day coming when we will have new bodies, yes. perfect, with no sickness or illness. We read of a new heavens and a new earth that's fully right, where there's no death, no dying, no crying, no pain no separation. We read in the Bible of um, the Holy Spirit changing us, changing us into Jesus' likeness. We read in the Bible of reigning with Christ in glory. Can we possibly express and, and really grasp our inheritance? No, I don't. Amen. Great, thank you. But I don't want us to just consider everything. This is the point I want us to consider, that the Holy Spirit is a deposit in us, guaranteeing all of that. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to grasp this morning. Um, in Hebrews 9, 15 to 16, the writer there is talking about God's people and their inheritance. Um, and he makes the point that an inheritance is like a will. And that um, a will is only put into effect after someone has died. You can't have a will and find that people are already benefiting from it. If that person's still alive, that's not how a will works. You have to prove that someone's dead and then the will goes into effect. And he's setting for us there the importance that a will goes into effect after someone's died. And, and therefore making the point that... Um, 
That's really important. And here's the thing, that God in Jesus has died. So the will has been put into effect. Now, hallelujah, Jesus is no longer dead. He raised for life. But the inheritance that comes to us is through the death of Jesus. And therefore, it's not an inheritance that's far off. We're not to consider it as one day we'll, we'll get there. Yes, one day we will have the fullness we haven't got now. But the death has already happened. And the Holy Spirit in us is a deposit of the inheritance for us now. The will has been put into effect. It's not our death that secures our inheritance. And sometimes we can think like that. It'll be all right once I'm in glory, I'll have everything. It'll all be fine. No, it's Christ's death that secures our inheritance. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, that deposit in us, we need to draw on that now. And I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us, it's time to make a drawdown on the deposit um, of me in you as the Holy Spirit. It's time for faith to make a drawdown on the deposit of the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, there are a couple of examples of this that I've been musing over in the Gospel of Mark. And I'd just like us to look at those for a moment because I think there's something in the way these women exercised faith that will help us to see how we make a drawdown on the deposit of the Holy Spirit in us. So Mark 5, it starts from verse 25, and it's um, a time when Jesus was crowded around by lots of people. He was going um, around in that area. He'd been healing people. He'd been delivering people from demons. And um, he's asked to go uh, to to someone's house um, whose little girl was very sick. Um, and there's an interjection in that journey that we're going to look at. Um, from verse five, it, uh, 25, it starts talking about a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had a disease, a disorder, something that caused her to bleed continuously for 12 years. And she'd spent all that she had on trying to get fixed, and it failed. And it says in um, verse 27 that she had heard about Jesus. Yeah. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. And there's some paraphernalia around it that then happens. But then Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And I want us to um, think about that for just a moment because in the, in the time when this was written, um, women were of no value or worth. And if you're a woman who was bleeding, you were less than of no value or worth. In fact, you were offensive. You were not allowed to worship. You were not allowed to engage in that community and you would defile anyone that you went near Um, so this woman on several levels was way down in the pecking order for the power of God it would have been thought in those days and not only that but there's this huge crowd pressing around Jesus but still she pressed through she heard about Jesus she um, thought if I can just touch 
his robe, I will be healed. And her faith caused her to press through and she got healing. Um, Let's look at a second woman. Just turn over a couple of um, pages to Mark 7. verse 24 this is another um, incident uh, regarding another woman actually I'll, I'll read from verse 25 right away a woman who had heard about Jesus came and fell at his feet her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit and she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter since she was a gentile born in Syrian Phoenicia, i.e. not a Jew, Jesus told her, first I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord. But even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. Good answer, he said. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. In Matthew's account of that section, he writes that Jesus said, Dear woman, your faith is great. Your request is granted. Now, if a woman in Jewish society had no status or worth, certainly a Gentile woman, not a Jew, was even lower than the low. And um, again, in Matthew's account of this, it, it describes the disciples saying to Jesus, Make her go away. Tell her to go away. So not only did she have to um, come through and press through, she had to press through the disciples who wanted to send her away. And it almost sounds like she had to press through Jesus having a different priority to to what she was. But she presses through. And she says, yes, yes, Lord, you're right, but even the dogs eat the little crumbs. You know, there are some leftovers for me. And it was her faith that drew out that healing power and um, she, her daughter received deliverance from the demon. And for both of those women, there were things that they had to push and press through. They heard about Jesus. They pressed through and they received by faith a greater abundance than those who were watching would have expected, would have thought possible or even permitted And um, I think we can learn something from that. Um, Their faith provoked a a drawing down of the power of God, if you like. And um, how much more then for us who are children of God, anointed with the Holy Spirit, sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit, Children who are authenticated by our Father. Children who um, have the full backing and authority of God. And children who know their inheritance and all that's to come by the deposit of the Spirit. How much more then can we draw by faith um, of things we've not yet seen happen? And, and people, other people might think that's not possible or that shouldn't happen, or you're not entitled to that, how much more can we draw down by faith and see prayers answered, see powerful things? You know, we have heard Jesus, haven't we? 
We have heard Jesus say in John 14, um, my people will do the works I do and greater things because I go to the Father. He goes on to say, you can ask anything in my name and I'll do it. And we know later on from those chapters, he was saying, I'm going to go to my Father because I'm sending the Holy Spirit and that will be better for you. We have heard Jesus and I believe it's time for us to, by faith, go after things that we've not gone after before and draw on the deposit of the Holy Spirit with all the inheritance that that brings, with all the Holy Spirit's gifting and power um, to draw down by faith. And I believe we will see much greater things than we have seen. Faith is not just believing something will happen in the future. It's not just believing even that something might happen now. It's taking action to see that happen, because I believe. That's what faith is. And why is this important? Well, I believe that as supernatural church, we must be people who are certain of our identity, certain of the Holy Spirit in us as a deposit, certain of our inheritance of the deposit of the Holy Spirit in us because we have an investment to make with it. Because um, the Holy Spirit, as David said a couple of weeks ago when he shared, is turning us outwards. And I really believe that's happening here in Market Harbour. It's happening um, with us. I believe it will be happening with other believers in the town. Um, Because we're not the only ones with an inheritance. God has an inheritance. He has an inheritance with his people. In Ephesians 1 verse 18, it says this. It describes his holy people, talking about all those that believe in him, talking about his church, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. That amazes me. That um, we are God's inheritance. And it's not just us. There's a fullness of his inheritance, of his people still to come. There's a bride for Jesus to be made complete, to grow into the fullness of the statue of Christ. And there are many people, I believe, in Market Harbour who are part of that bride, but do not yet know it and experience it. And the Holy Spirit is turning us out to pursue God's inheritance. You know, when we love Jesus... Don't you just want all that he wants? Don't you just want to go after what will give him glory? And it's his people, his bride, his inheritance. And I believe that in this day, the Holy Spirit is turning us outwards to pursue her. And, um, And that's why we need to be people who know who we are, who know where we're from, who know... Um, what's in us, who know the life within us and have the Holy Spirit in us. Um, And I just want to direct us to a verse um, in 2 Peter. Let's have a look at this together. It's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9.
No, it isn't. I've lost it. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Sorry. <laughs> 1 Peter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You are God's very own possession, his inheritance. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. And there'll be different things in different translations of what... um, show others the goodness of God, how that's written out in your versions. But I looked at what the word goodness means there. And it means exceptional virtue. It means the the moral and ethical quality of God's goodness. But it also has a sense of meaning. Um, It also means the manifestation of the power of God. That in all of God's goodness... And all of his exceptional virtue, there is a manifestation of the power of God. And in this verse, it's saying that because we know who we are and what our inheritance is and where we're from, we can show others God's goodness. We can show others the manifestation of the power of God. I believe that means signs and wonders. I believe that means miracles and powers of healing. I believe that means Holy Spirit activity when we make a drawdown by faith of what has been placed in us, in the Holy Spirit. There's another word there. You can show others the goodness of God. What does that word show mean? When you look at the origins of that word, it means to announce. It means to proclaim. It means to get completely out of you in your announcement, what it is you're announcing. And when we were meeting together to pray on Thursday, I had the word announcement come to me, and I, I didn't know really why. I'd not looked at this verse yet and the meaning of those words, um, and I just really felt that the word announcement was significant. And when we come to look at this word, we see that I believe God is saying He has an announcement to make in this town of his goodness and of the manifestation of his power. And it's going to be through his people. God is going to make an announcement as we make an announcement of his goodness, of his power, as we draw down by faith things that have never been seen before, things that other people might say and you know, not possible, but drawing down by faith to our Father, we will see these things. And um, 
I just, I can't but help believe it. <laughs> it's deep within me. And so I just want us to um, stop for a moment again and pray, have a conversation with the Holy Spirit about this. Because as he's set his seal and anointed us to know that we are sons of God, that we have an inheritance as rightful heirs, I believe the Holy Spirit is turning us out and giving us a voice to have that strong, complete announcement in Market Harborough, in Desborough, Rothwell, in the Langtons, wherever we're from. Um, an announcement that will um, see people saved, see the inheritance that God has come to a greater fullness, see the bride for Jesus made beautiful and made more complete. Let's just be still and, and pray. And um, just as we, as we pray and the Holy Spirit ministers to us now, um, let's be expectant for direction from him about situations, about people, about places where we need to make an announcement, where he will give us all that we need to do that. And let's have a quick response in our hearts to say, yes, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that it's your promise that you have poured out your Holy Spirit. Yes. That you have confirmed we are your children. Thank you that there's no doubt about that because of your power in us. Thank you for the inheritance that's guaranteed and assured. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are sending us out. That by your power we are witnesses. Holy Spirit, would you come and help us to make a drawdown by faith on you? even in impossible situations <coughs> that we will see people saved and see your inheritance come to fullness. Thank you, Lord. Just want to um, pray over us a prayer that Paul writes at the end of Ephesians 1. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. For we know the Father through the Son. And I pray that the eyes of your heart the very centre and core of your being may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in God's people. And so that you will begin to know, even begin to know, what the immeasurable 
and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us, in us, who believe. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Instagram.